Welcome back to Franchise Audio. This is your boy, Eddie. Welcome the fuck back. It's Jay in the building, and we got a fucking dope-ass, special-ass guest with us today. Hey, everybody. My name is Ray Valle. I'm a candidate for a Juris Doctorate, and I'm here to speak uh, on a couple things with my longtime friends here from yes, high sir. school and childhood. Yes, sir. Uh, he's off the market. That's I'm going to come off and say that right now. Absolutely off the market. Untouchable. This man is restricted. I know everyone heard uh, his, his spiel just now, and they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. That sounds lawyery. Yeah, yeah, especially because I'm still, like, a little wet from, like, a <laughs> yeah, yeah, podcast, like, discussion. So it's like, yeah, I'm glad you, you clarified that. Yeah, this guy raised tying the fucking not tomorrow. So, yeah, completely off the market. Yeah, super excited about that, by the how, way. How is that, by the way? Like, how is it, like, find the, I guess, waiting so long since all this stuff happened with COVID and you had to postpone a bit of your wedding and now it's it's here tomorrow like how's the, the the pre-feeling so for a bit of context people who don't know i guess i was supposed to be uh, married a couple of about a year a year and a half two years ago uh my my plans were obviously canceled because covid hit right in this right in the center of uh my second semester in law school and right before the summer the summer term where we were supposed to take the time to get you know engaged in the ceremony we had everything planned out um, but everything just got canceled out of nowhere. It was hard. Like, it was really hard at first, um, at, like, I, as it would be for anybody doing anything or any, anything um, relating to an expectation of something big, right? Uh, but it's actually brought me and Sam a lot closer together. There's obviously been a lot of, like, ups and downs, uh, especially living with somebody uh, in during the COVID times where you're supposed to be basically locked together in quarantine. Yeah. And that obviously causes quarrels, but it's also caused this to overcome things that we that we would put off to the side before, you know, like things yeah. that we would sidebar because we had too much going on. We got to go somewhere and drive. We got to go to work or whatever. So, I it, it's a blessing and a curse what happened with COVID. And now that I'm able to get married, I'm just that much more grateful uh, for the opportunity that I'm able to get married to the woman of my dreams. That's awesome. And me and Jay are both in, in relationships. Jay's been in a long-term relationship for quite a while. I've been in a relationship, you know, yeah. short-term, but I'm definitely looking uh, with a long-term uh, view. And it's just, it's nice, man. You know, I was at a comedy show yesterday, and it's one of those things that, like, comedians love, like, making fun of, like, when they have their wife already or when they're getting married. And it's one of those things that, like, we're all the same. You know, it, it, there's some aspects to relationships that aren't perfect, right? There's every single relationship is different the dynamic is different you have different ways of engaging communicating and stuff like that so they're not simple in any way but there's something about marriage that has like this genese qua this like almost like crazy feel to it because it's like one of the most dedicating things you could do with your life sharing it with someone else at, at that level and having the discipline and the loyalty and everything else that comes along with it that's really fruitful man and i don't know in miami it feels like Marriage is the last thing on people's mind, it, it, since this town is known to to be just uh, your vacation town where you come in, get fucked up, and, you know, do all this shit when you're on summer vacation. But it's it's nice to see, one, first off, that my long-term boy is getting married tomorrow and committing his life. But it's also nice to just talk about marriage in general and not on an aspect that's like, oh, yeah, it fucking sucks, man. Fucking marriage. I've been married for whatever. Well, he's not there yet. You know, yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. In, the, in the good times. Well, it's yeah. always going to be good times, bro. You guys are going to enjoy a very fruitful life together. But, yeah, like the stereotypical fucking grumpy married man. Yeah, it's interesting that you guys you guys uh, say that because um, normally what I would refer to as a, as the cupcake phase 
is like cupcake phase. yeah yeah, yep. it's, yeah that's what i would refer to as the cupcake phase the first few you know uh, i wouldn't i would limit it to months maybe it could be a year making maybe it could be even more than a year it could be a long period of time in the beginning of a relationship where you're infatuated with a person such that you know all you want to do is talk to them uh, the moment that you're away from them it could be 10 minutes and you're saying i'm i miss you you know like think about that for a second like do you really miss a person after 10 minutes let's say you you right. you your mom, right? The, the most important person in your life, the person that gave you life. After you leave her for 10 minutes in a lifetime of knowing her, you know? Yeah. Do you really miss her after 10 minutes? Fuck no, baby. No. <laughs> so that, that's why I call it a, a, a cupcake phase because there's so many like chemicals going on in your brain and stuff like that. But the thing is, I feel like at one point you forget about that and at one point you lose that. And it's important to remember why you felt that way and to continue to try like try to feel that way because i feel like that's important in a lot of relationships um going a little bit off topic here i feel like it's a, a, a very important in a lot of relationships with friends as well yeah. um because that's how that's how you grow in relationships is literally an aspect of every single sector of your life whether it be romantic, work-related, not work-related, business-wise, even interacting with people, like social relationships. That, that is the fundamental thing that makes us human and why we're even on the hierarchy on the food chain is because we have social patterns that we can dissect and, and consider them like relationships. The honeymoon phase, that's the, like, the scientific word for, for the cupcake. But yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, The first six, seven, eight months, whatever, some people last a year, a year and a half, whatever it is, that it fades out, right? You no longer have those incredible feelings that you had. One of my favorite like philosophical quotes is like, love is a choice you make every day. Like you Facts. wake up in the morning and exact. it's not, you're chasing a feeling. Like you're no longer like looking for a feeling because that's not what love is. You're not making like, you're not with somebody to make yourself feel better. Yeah. You're with somebody because you like their values, you uh, like how their mind works, you know, and that is the fundamental things that build good relationships. So it's it's you know, it's nice to talk about relationships in that in that way. But that's literally the core of why so many relationships fail in the first place, too. Like people people lose like the sight of that. People will go and they'll keep searching for feelings. They'll keep hunting down that honeymoon phase and they'll go from relationship to relationship and not understand why they're not feeling a certain way. And it's like, yo, I remember like I woke up last week and I was really shitty, dude. I felt fucking really shitty that I had to go and clock in. But I also remembered a month ago, I felt great that I had to clock in because there was a lot of people that didn't have a job. Yep. There was a lot of people that are, that are looking for, for work right now that don't have work. And I was shitty last week that I had to go clock in. So it's just about perspective. It's about understanding you're not going to feel the same every day, but you still get to decide how you want to go about that. And discipline, discipline is really what, what is like a fundamental root of relationships. But anyway, the real stuff that everybody loves avoiding in Miami, or shit, I want to start avoiding in Miami, taxes. Well, hold up. Before we get there, because I want to break the ice a little bit. I just want, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, of course. Of course. There's going to be some people that don't know who Ray is. There's going to be some people that do know just out of like, proximity. Like you said, we've been friends for a while. So I just want to ask you a couple questions, right? Um, before I ask you, like, it's just going to be like rapid fire. But before I ask you, repeat one more time what you said you were a candidate of. Uh, I'm a Juris Doctorate candidate. So that means that that's the uh, post-secondary degree. If you're if you're pursuing uh, a, a career as an attorney, as a lawyer, um, any form of, of career in the law, 
uh, typically requires, or for practitioners, would require you to have a JD and then take the uh, Florida bar. For, I, th I believe, one state in particular, you don't have to do this. Uh, it's California. So you can be a lawyer in California without getting a JD, but it's literally the hardest bar exam in the entire U.S., so good luck with that. Okay. Okay, yeah. So fancy shit. I love it. Yeah. For you, right? Uh, are you more city or country? Uh, it's weird you say that because I feel like I'm more country because okay. I lived in Tallahassee for a good bit. Um, I'm from Camagüey, Cuba, so it's a lot of it's it's literally the countryside yep. of Straight of up. Cuba. Yeah. So uh, and but I live in the city, which is ironic because <laughs> yeah. I love Miami, but at the same time I love like the countryside. So I don't know if it, I'm I'm indifferent about that that question. I guess. Okay. Breakfast or dinner? Breakfast or dinner. I don't eat breakfast because I intermittent fast, so oh. definitely dinner. Okay. Oh, wow, we got another intermittent yeah, fast. Yeah, I intermittent fast, too, every day till, like, 6. Oh, not every day. I try to do it every day till 6, and then I'll eat till, like, 2. So, like, a, a 16, 8 uh, type of break. So, that's super fucking cool um, that you do that as well. Um, what is, like, an ideal vacation for you? An ideal vacation for me and one that I probably would want to have for sure before I die is one to Japan where I could right. actually set sail on the seas of Japan and, like, fish because I love fishing. It's one of the things I love to do. It, it gives me solace. It gives me uh, time to myself. And it, it, it's a skill. You can hone. Straight so, up. Yeah. yeah. Straight the fuck up. You brought up Japan. You brought up fishing. So, you know, I got to ask. If you had to classify yourself like as a sushi roll, what would it be? Oh, man. I don't know, man. Probably a salmon roll. A I salmon love, roll? I love salmon, yeah, man. Yeah, just a, a, the salmon with, roll. With a little bit of yeah, cream cheese it's, in there? It's so simple. I mean, like, you could have a little bit of cream cheese, a little bit of it. You can have vegetables in there. I mean, it's, it's such a simple dish, but salmon is, is raw and rice. I mean, it's just good, man. It's so good. It melts in your mouth. I got to say, I've become a whore for JB tempura. Oh, straight up whore. A whore? Oh, my God. When there's salmon in there, but it's with the cream cheese, and then they fry it in tempura. Delicious. Next level. They call it a bagel roll, too. Oh, yeah. I forgot what it's Many called. Many names. I forgot what it's called, but um, the one with octopus. If it's something with an O. Damn, some octopus in, in uh, sushi rolls? Uh, Man, that yeah. sounds already fucking delicious. Pretty good. And I guess your favorite fucking curse word. I know you talk all proper and shit and, you know, but I know you got to let go a couple F-bombs here and there. Uh, I don't know. Like, the one, what, like one that I use the most or like... Um, yeah. Or your favorite curse word can be in English, Spanish, fucking... Come pinga. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yep. Pinga. Yep. For sure. Right. That is that is 100% used on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. so. Bro, you know what that word though specifically? My mom has a saying that I fucking love so much and it's this. Cada día, and I'll translate it in Spanish in a sec, or in English in a sec. Cada día sale un come pinga la calle y hoy me toco a mí. Yep. And that she'll say, like, if something happens that she made, like, a mistake or drove or did some stupid shit. And it basically translates in English to every day a dumbass goes out into the street. Because come pinga could be many things. Yep. It's translated as dick sucker. But the, it, for yeah, this, directly this translated. Yeah. Well, directly dick eater, really. Or dick eater, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're eating dick. Yeah. So in this this one, it would be more like a dumbass leaves the, the streets. And today... It's me. I'm the dumbass. Yep. So I love that that word too. Talking about dumbasses, we were about to mention uh, taxes, right? I'm probably not the biggest dumbass when it comes to taxes, but I have my pretty out there crazy idea. So I guess maybe we'll start at my crazy idea and then we can just go and just yeah. hack it down from there. 
Because I was telling Eddie the other day, right? I was like texting him. We talk I, about this shit a lot. Yeah. And I could have swore I had like an epiphany moment almost. And I was like, had like an epiphany moment slash upset. And I was thinking to myself, if the government is already printing money, right? And they print money at whatever fucking rate they want from what we've seen. Why is it that we still have to get taxed and they can't just fucking print the money that they need and leave us the fuck alone? And this tax is a scam because I feel like no. what I hate is that no one sends me like a CSV file, uh, file like a breakdown of like where my money is going. I don't know. And here's the other thing, right? Because I also have a friction with taxes <laughs> because I saw what I paid in tax before, then you can literally abuse your clients. There's also that. But it goes deep, dude. It goes very deep. Tax. So we had a little bit of a technical mishap, but um, anyway, getting back to uh, to taxes and really, you know, our friction with taxes is because what you were getting or alluding to is like, we just don't understand taxes. I feel like the, the, the everyday citizen just doesn't understand taxes and that's why they look for people to do their taxes, even in Florida, which doesn't require like a specific like person to do your taxes. Like almost anybody could do your taxes as long as they're certified to do it. Like stuff like that. The people that understand taxes make money off of doing it for people because people just don't get them. So what exactly are taxes, Ray? Like what the fuck is, are taxes and why are they so necessary? It's, it's, that's, that's an amazing question actually because um, a, a good buddy of mine, a childhood friend, uh, his father, I recently hired him to, to do uh, a catering service for my mom's birthday and we're talking about my career path, my career path and I was telling him I'm trying to be an attorney and I want to be into taxes and stuff like that. Obviously, as a business owner, he's been to a couple of uh, tax preparers and I'm sure none of them were uh, were attorneys because big time attorneys here that do tax work are usually for big corporations. Yeah. Um, but he asked me, what do taxes have to do with the law? And this was, to me, a person who understands taxes, extremely shocking, but at the same time, to step, step back, realize who this person was, somebody who was born in Cuba or in a different country and came here into a capitalist centric uh, country and understand what he was really asking. And you're asking me generally the same question. And taxes is a fundamental power of government. Taxes is not just taxes, because taxes is the power to get money from the people, but taxes is a, is a bifurcated power with spending, it's the taxing and spending power of government. So you can tax people for their money and you spend an apportion the money or revenues that you get from those people to those in need through programs, through the law, through however means necessary. And that is at the federal level. There's also at the state level, your your state might have certain views. Um, and and taxes are, to put it in the best way possible, and, and how my professor, Professor Wolf, says it, it is the tax tail that shakes the economic dog. What that means is that the taxes will influence what you do. If there is a grant for you to pursue an education, if there's free money for an individual to pursue a four-year degree, why wouldn't you take free money for a four-year degree? That grant money is coming from tax revenues. Tax services, right? Tax services, they offer tax services to the people. Um, for instance, you may be paying 50 to $250 at your local uh, tax preparer your certified tax preparer if you're a low-income wage earner. However, if you're making lower than $58,000, you can go to your VITA site, your local VITA site, uh, Volunteer Income Tax As Assistance Program, and you can have literal law students and literal law professor professors and professionals in the area 
handle your tax and give you the best possible return because we know people know that a lot of people depend on that tax return at the end of the year to feed their kids, to clothe their children. So that is what taxes is. It's it's our form of capitalistic communal service to each other. It is our form of giving back to each other. It is our form of innovating and contributing to society, even when we don't do it directly through donations, and charities, and stuff like that, or through our work in private business organizations. We do it through taxes. So that is, to answer your question, what taxes are. Do you... Um... And essentially, right, like from what I'm hearing, like taxes are essential, right? Like f- from what you're getting at. Do you ever like have a gripe with the fact that only a select few in an instance or like government gets to like just spearhead it? Like, do you ever feel like it should be like if we all have to pay this like um like this service to each other in a way, should we have more of a say of how it is it's, like that it's getting like distributed or how it is that it's working? I 100 percent say yes to that, and I'm going to give you 100% of an example right now. So there is something called dignitary torts. A dignitary tort is uh, an injustice done on a person's emotion, on their well-being. So let's say, for example, you're in a car accident, right? Um, Let's say it's a horrible car accident, a tragedy. You lose an arm, you lose a leg, you lose something. You become disabled. You're permanently physically injured for the rest of your life, but you're also to a very significant degree, emotionally handicapped and emotionally injured for the rest of your life. You may reap rewards in court, both emotionally and physically, right? But there's this interesting section in the Internal Revenue Code called Section 104 for physical injury. It excludes physical, non-emotional injuries from taxable income. That's huge. Yeah. Which means if you get into an accident, whatever happened for the damages of your leg, loss of work, stuff like that, you can get anything that attaches to that physical injury. You can most likely get a tax write-off from that money you get in court. However, the dignitary part, the emotional damages, the wrong, uh, the wrongful injury, that part is taxable. So why tax people, especially, and let me put it in context, especially yeah. during the era of equality, the change in equality, when women's rights were on the move, when black rights were on the move, when Jim Crow was being abolished, when apartheid in general was being abolished, why make a random change in the law that was never done before to address physical injuries yeah. as being excluded from taxable income? From emotional injuries, what difference does it make to the government? What is taxable from the courts? What is taxable from the person's injuries, from their recoupment that they're entitled to by law? But they made that distinction, and it—if it, you take it historically, if you take—if you take it with when it happened, um, you can say that it's wrong, and people should have a say in things of governance as far as taxes and 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 like. What, what is affecting them directly when these people are pushing for change and suing industries like BMI so women can be in military institutes and when they reap the rewards of the emotional, you know, uh, their emotional recruitment, they have to pay taxes on that later. Uh-huh. It feels kind of like another kick when you're down, you know, like you're, you've already gone through all this, you have to do all this and you have to pay back more to the government that's doing you an injustice. 
it seems kind of wrong in that sense. And that, I guess that's an example to answer your question. Of why we should be able to like vote more on, on where exactly yes. our taxes are going yes. and how we get taxed. And you do, and you can, by the way. Yeah. You, and, you know, it feels like almost, I, I want to say it, it almost feels like, like, can I pay, like, can I really vote whatever for the, for my taxes? Because if I'm voting, it almost feels like I have to vote in a, a representation of myself with, with a politician instead of voting specifically on what we get taxed on, right? And, and, and again, this is coming from somewhere where I don't have all the knowledge, right, of where exactly our taxes go and how much we could decide on how we get taxed and whatnot. But like, fuck, you know, in the state of Florida, for example, like, I don't know if I want to get taxed on beach cleanups. I'm just giving an example here, right? <laughs> like, I don't know. You know, I, like, I'm not going to be a dick about it. I get it. The beaches get dirty. But also, fuck all the spring breakers that are coming here. You know, like, fuck them. So it's like, do I want to be taxed for that? Or do I rather be taxed on, I don't know, another thing? And I feel like there's where I specifically, like, don't know how we could vote on this thing. And, and can we? Maybe we just don't know. Can we go out and, and actually vote legislation in to change the way we're, we're taxed and what we're taxed on and how, like, our taxes are spent? I like to answer that question from the top down. So I'm going to go for a very broad, like, theoretical perspective first. Um, so our beaches, why keep them clean? No, they, I, that, that okay. part I'm eating dick on. Like, obviously, yeah, yeah, the beaches no, being clean I, for I, sure. I understand, because to tie that in, government, right? Government has certain functions, right? So state government in particular, because that's what's, you know, pertinent to our conversation. Of course. Florida state government has um, a duty or a, a governmental function in maintaining the beaches, in you know, public recreation, yeah. in fire control, in, um, in health and safety, in those areas of government that are, you know, in sanitation and picking up trash and stuff like that. So you get taxed typically on those services, yeah. right? Um, but why beach cleaning in particular? That's a very good question because if you think about it and from a very, you know, from a very political, from a very socialist, from a very um, up there theoretical standpoint, uh, we're literally investing in removing chaos from our environment because if you allow beaches right, to not be clean, because I promise you the, the public isn't going to do it. Of course. Uh, if, no, you, no, no, no. if you allow beaches not to be clean, or if you don't um, have some sort of program, let's say, like, inmates come and, and clean up the beaches, or, like, you know, probationies come and clean up the beaches. And or, they do it for free, bro. That shit's fucked. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> they, they got to hold that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah they got to hold that one. Yeah, they, they got to hold that one. Doing the tax evasion shit will get you right in there, by the way. But, but once you have that, you're literally removing chaos from your environment. You're making that beach cleaner. You're making the children who walk to that beach see a clean beach, want a clean beach, when it gets dirty, when they're older. Yeah. And you're, 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 it's, it's not just, you know, why am I cleaning the beach? It's what the, what the underlying sentiment or the underlying goal is behind that governmental function, per se, to taxes and why you're being taxed on it. And I think it's probably one of the lower, you know, and it is, trust me, one of the lower governmental functions, and it's been argued heavily yeah. on whether there should be taxing power on it, whether the government's allowed to, uh, you know, seek out bonds, or whether the government's allowed to even delegate that governmental function to a private entity, like a, to make a, a private corporation. You know, yeah. uh, there's been a lot of debate on that. And, um, I mean, we, we try to get the most economically efficient way possible is, is the short answer. To clean up the beaches and most of the time it's going to be through tax money. yeah that makes sense i i, I do want to highlight 
the private sector for for certain things like that oftentimes doesn't work because i don't know if any like you guys have been to new york right yeah. Yo, New York, all the trash is on the street all the time. I I haven't been to New York, but my one of my best friends is from New York, and she all the trash is the trash is literally on the streets all the time because it's different private companies picking up the trash for those businesses, for those houses, for those apartment complexes, et cetera, et cetera. And not all of them have like, hey, your your trash. You know, if you're from Florida, your trash is getting picked up one Tuesday. We know that that the trash bags are out, everything's out in the front, ready to go. And so Florida looks for the most part pretty clean. So that part is like, yeah, I understand my taxes are going there. Here's the part that gets my dick so flaccid. I was looking at what I was voting on last year, and there was something in there to change the wording on a specific like amendment in the Florida like law for something, just the wording of it. And I was like, I'm voting on this. Like, it doesn't fucking matter particular to me, like what the wording is on this. And I can't even remember the wording. That's how in fucking important it was. I went later and I looked up how much the fucking funding for that specific thing being added on there and what they did with the taxpayers money to get this ship like basically propaganda like they they they, they made a motion to like get get people to to go after it yo they spent 10 million taxpayer monies on this fucking thing getting in there for a goddamn wording change well um 10 million bucks uh to, you have to understand um it, it the the apportion that you probably saw in the bill is probably do is probably uh, uh, a portion to the actual like function of the bill. There's something called a title, uh, a title and summary requirement for um, for laws in general that pass in Florida. And a title and summary is these are in the Florida statutes under 712, I believe chapter 712. Yeah, it was like changing um, one of the like one of the like sections in the statute. It was about changing the wording about right, something to but, to make people feel more included. Is what it was. Yeah, in the Florida laws, Florida statutes, there's a title and summary requirement that makes so that people who vote on the bill aren't confused and the title and summary requirement uh, is like there's a word limit and it has to be clear and unambiguous and it must not fly under false colors you know, it must contain a single depending on who is uh who's passing the law whether it's a citizen initiative or it's like yeah. the the legislation in a subject there's a whole bunch of things like tied to the law but i don't there's no um there's no apportionment that would go to like the changing of of a title uh, it, you probably were confused. It was like it was like a wording change for a specific yeah, yeah, yeah. like amendment or something. I, yeah. I don't remember that, what it was. That, that's very typical because laws will not allow to even go onto the floor and be thought of or even spoken to about, in, you know, in uh, Congress. Yeah. Um, without the title and summary requirement being right. Yeah, and, and it was like a state thing. level thing. But I was yeah. like, yo, they invested ten million dollars of taxpayer money for this for yeah, just a wording change. No. That, the, 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 on the well, what is it called? You know, when the, you know, presidents do this all the time, they get funding to go on. Fuck it. It's like their campaign, the campaign for this, for this wording change was $10 million. That got my dick so soft. Like, fuck it. Clean up the beaches. Fine. Use $10 million to clean up the beaches. Oh, maybe, but, maybe but not for the wording change. I want to vote on that shit. Yeah. Like, who got to decide like, yeah, let's use $10 million of this taxpayer money because we're going to make a campaign to change the wording on some shit to make some people feel more included. Like, hold on. Whoa. Yeah, I feel like where taxes drops the ball a little bit is I feel like their marketing isn't all the way good. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like if I looked at my fucking my pay stub every two weeks and at the bottom, if instead of it saying like FL Medicaid, it said starving kids in Harlem. <laughs> yeah. I feel like people would probably be like, okay, like we got to do this type of shit. Yeah, I mean, I see, I see where where you're coming from. Um, 
it, it's it's not as direct as as you would like it to be. I mean, as far as like you point the way that you would feel uh, about giving taxes up. Yeah. Because um, it, it, it has to be a pool. You can't specific like because one dollar yeah. is going here and then thirty cents are going here. So it has to be a pool. So I get that sense. You, you have to be very well endowed in a history of legislation to understand where your money's coming from. You have to be very well educated um, on what is going on federally. Uh, very well educated on what's going on locally, um, and the, and and locally can be very very specific. It could be from literally your school systems because school systems are political subdivisions of the state, yeah. and they can tax you by the way on property, uh, certain property, and ad valorem taxes. I'm sure a lot of people have received that little slip of paper in the mail saying ad valorem taxes on top and a bunch of like different property um, uh, estimations and what they would tax you in at the end of the year uh, if you if you own property. Uh, uh, and stuff like that, but local taxes, state uh, state taxes for state government, and municipal taxes for your uh for your city. There's a bunch of different taxes that come in, but they're limited too. They can only be limited to like I think 0.1 percent. So that's why when you see on your sales taxes in one place seven percent sales tax, sales tax in another place 7.5 percent or yeah. seven or eight percent or something yeah. like that in the state. Um, it's because there's a baseline sales tax. I think it's like 6.5. And then they'll add like a point one or a point something else to the sales mm. tax, depending on what the legislation was. So there's a lot of like history that must be researched by individuals, and the tax code rewards those who does it because who do it. Sorry, the because um, if you look at the tax code, if you do your research on tax planning, if you try to like be smart with your money, it'll reward you. Like I said, yep. Like I was saying will. earlier before. Uh, like I was saying earlier before our little interruption, I had um, I had a client, uh, a, a relative, who I had to do their taxes, right? I had to prepare their taxes. Simple stuff. W-2, she makes under 50000 a year, um, last day of filing. So she comes to me. Most Americans. Yeah. Last day of filing. Yeah. So she comes to me. She's worried, uh, telling me her concerns were that she'd have to pay money back. and But she handed me a W-2, nothing else. Um, she has insurance by her by her uh, employer. Uh, her, she has a child, right? So she pays her taxes through her work. So I'm looking at her like, why would you ever have to pay any money back? You've already paid your taxes. You work and they take it directly from your paycheck. So I, I do her file. I give her back her slip for W-2, uh, her 1040, sorry. And she uh, she looks at me and she's, she's astonished. She's like, wow, $5,000 return. She makes $50,000. That's 10, that's that's ten percent of her income. She's getting that back. Well, she could have gotten more because I talked to her, right? And if she would have taken a few a few thousand dollars and put it into a retirement account, which a lot of people don't think about, if you put a couple of thousands of dollars, which I think it's capped at six or seven thousand dollars per year per individual, for a so raw, for a raw, sixty five hundred, sixty five hundred, sixty five hundred uh, per individual, twice that if you're married. Well, un um um untaxable. You can put like up to like nineteen thousand a year, yeah. but like you you evade like that. You get that tax benefit up to like sixty five hundred. Yeah. Yes, yes. You uh you avoid those taxes uh up to that amount of money. So if she would have taken that portion of money, put it aside in an interest bearing Roth account, right? That that accrues interest value over time. She would have gotten an additional, pretty much the same amount of money, $6,500 back in her pocket in refunds. She would have gotten an $11,500 refund instead of a $5,000 refund. And she would have been even more to rejoice and would have had been able to do something else to say she wanted to have um, a, a new car or uh, 
taking her son to a better school or something like that. She can now because she has a better return. Or reinvest it, right? Yeah. Or reinvest it, exactly. And let it compound. Let it compound. Let it, let it um, appreciate. Really or, get nasty. Yep. Or put it or, or purchase a bond. Amortize your money. You know, do something unique where, where you're not letting all of your money get touched or spent away on, on rubbish or luxury or something. You know, there's a quote that, that me and Jay literally live by. And that's your money will always work harder than you do. Always. No matter how hard you're working, if you're putting your money in the right places, it's going to work harder. If you invest it in some way. You know, Roth IRAs, I think, are things that people really sleep on because it's one of those things that not only can you put in and it's, it's something that percentage over time will increase. There's a, do you know who Peter Thiel is? I've heard of him. Massive investor in Facebook, massive investor in Uber, massive investor in uh, Palantir. Yep. All right, so check this out, man. He made his Roth IRA, and he uh, structured in a way in three years, putting 6500 he structured in a way that it was buying directly into bonds of uh, PayPal, into bonds of Bitcoin, into, um, into um, this, the Palantir, and he managed to flip over like it was fifty thousand dollars into twenty four million dollars in three years so this 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 whole thing like that the rich get richer that people always say it's it's almost factual because they just have the it's for sure factual they have the knowledge of what to do with that money they have the knowledge of what to do with with their money to make sure that they're not getting more expenses is that they're getting more assets that their money's working for them so I, I'm glad you brought up that, that Roth IRA shit because um, one of those things that, that is about taxes is that everybody hates that, you know, mostly like the 10% wealthiest people in America gets, get, get somehow evading taxes all the time. Does that come with financial literacy that they're able to find, I guess, these tax loopholes? And is that true? And is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, cause I feel like, I mean, I'm not fucking uber rich and around like super uber rich people. Right. But um, to know, like what it is they're getting taxed and shit, but you hear like they should have like Amazon paying 1% in taxes. I know that's a corporation, but like, is that, is that kind of like a game of telephone that we've been like fed, like how the rich basically pay no taxes or like, what's up with that? Or is it like these massive corporations just wait until the last day of tax day and give a fucking thing like this? <laughs> they're like, good luck. Good luck. See you later. You got fucking 2000 hours to work on this. Yep. So I can go very far with that because, um, recently, there's been a, a taxes and laws, laws change all the time. So right now, everybody's taxed at a marginal rate. So at a marginal rate, um, the lower you make in income, the less you're taxed on percentage-wise for that income. And yeah. it and it's still maintained. It doesn't mean that because you make $300,000 a year, you're not getting the benefit of um, the first $15,000 that you made being taxed at that lower rate. You are. You are getting that benefit. Um, the thing is, you have to add those numbers up to get your effective tax rate at the end by the time that you get taxed on that full 300000 to see what you're actually paying. And corporations are very sophisticated, very – well, successful corporations are very sophisticated like um, Amazon, Apple, those huge corporations that require uh, management of millions, billions, billions of, dollars, yeah. of uh, dollars in assets and employees and – and financial accounts and pensions and stuff like that to make the best benefit of their dollar. Corporations are actually taxed at a fixed rate now because of 
the ACA and, uh, and, and the changes in the law. Before, they were taxed at a marginal rate, just like us. In fact, they were taxed higher than we were. We had, our highest marginal rate is 37%. 37%. If you make like uh, about 100, I don't have my tax code with me, but if you make about 100, uh, over $100,000 for sure, it's, it's, it's over, uh, thir it's 37%. Mm. Corporations used to be similarly about 39%. They, that's what, that's the, they, they would get a marginal tax rate, just like we would. Now, it's a fixed 21% on, um, on the profits of the corporation, per se. Um, and even then, like, there's a lot of ways around that. Uh, you get deductions. Um, you get the way deductions you for business expenses. Yeah, of course. Well, you pay, you know? Of course, 162. What you pay for uh, Section 162 of the IRC, what you pay for you know, your employees, what you pay... For, uh, for the type of business that you do for inventory, for uh, things you're putting into work. You can amortize or depreciate your uh, your assets. You can, um, you can recapture all of the loss instantly. Say you have a, a, a truck driving business, right? And you get a car. You don't have to wait for the truck to, to drive 100, 200,000 miles before you claim all of the value of the truck and depreciation. You can do it immediately under uh, the, the IRC. It's amazing what you can do with businesses. And people don't realize what you can do with structure. Because you don't have to be a sophisticated business of $100 million to structure a business. Sole proprietorship is, is a common law function. You, the moment you start selling ice cream cones, you become a sole proprietorship. Yeah, it's tied to you. But maybe if you make a, a, an effort and put another step forward and, I don't know, visit your state, uh, become more, more, more or less aware of what like the partnership laws are and maybe form a partnership for the purposes of selling something or the partnership of for the purposes of making a wedding, for example, uh, and you can deduct literally all of your expenses from your ordinary income or from the business's income. Be careful what you're saying, because me and Jay are about to become. And these, by the way, brother. by the yep. way, <laughs> nothing, nothing that I'm saying, nothing that I'm saying is legal advice. This is like typical. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was, about, I was about to say on the yeah. podcast. I swear to God, we are not your financial yeah. advisor. Oh, no, we're just, we're just yeah. my bingas, You know, remember again. <laughs> And, and, and do take what I say with a grain of salt and anything that you may have, a, uh, any curiosity that you may have or anything that's said on the podcast, take it to a legal professional, yep. particularly a tax or financial yep. professional. Do your own Googles. Yeah. If you didn't get 5K, you have a kid knock on their taxpayer's door and be, oh, yeah, yep. what's up with that? No, but I, I that's where, where I guess like, and this is where the fundamental thing and everything ties in together, right? Which is what we're really talking about, right? How do you establish financial freedom in the United States? Like, how do you use tax knowledge to your advantage? How do you use business knowledge to your advantage? And I think opening a business, having the ability to have something that is almost like a representation of your own entity in some way, shape, or form, that is one of the biggest luxuries that I think the United States could afford for people. You know what I mean? And that's really almost like what freedom is, no? Having the ability to say, I want this to be a service or to be something that sells to people or to be, you know, even you, you could become a business now in the way like social media works and all this and all this stuff. And having the government's backing to protect that for you, having your own finance be able to like to make more money for you. But it's also something that is a risk that you have to take. That's the other part that people don't understand about businesses. It's not you make a business and the day of tomorrow you're going to be a billionaire. Well, you're right. Sometimes you do have to take a risk with financial freedom, um, but not necessarily all the time. So let's say, for example, you are a person in your mid-40s or 50s. You have a well-established bank account. You have some you have some, you know, liquid assets behind you. You have about, say, 500K or whatever. You want to make like a really big stock investment, right? 
let's say you do want to like double that money. Let's say that the five hundred thousand you have is expendable, right? It's not like yeah. your 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 nest egg. Um, and you can spend that money on stocks, and you can take that risk on those high stocks to make that marginal jump on like you know like a blue chip stock or something like that, and make a lot of capital uh, of of capital gain um, or loss depending on like what the situation is over time, and um, and reaping the rewards, which is huge. And that's a huge risk because you can spend those five hundred thousand dollars now, and then that stock could be worth two hundred and fifty later. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then, of course. Um, but it's 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 the, the ability is, to guess right almost. Yes, in that sense. But there's also calculated risk with financial freedom in the sense that you can invest in mutual funds, you can invest in penny stocks, which are bottom line, and at the at the worst, you'll get like a super marginal loss. Yeah. Um, you can invest in bonds, which is a fixed return. And you're gonna guarantee to get your money back and some over a long period of time. You can invest in um, ETFs, spies. ETFs, yep. Uh, Interest-bearing accounts, like I mentioned earlier. You can have like your own money and then a fixed amount of return. You can buy preferred stock. You can buy preferred stock, which is a it, you don't get to reap the rewards of the company like stock does. It doesn't, you know, it's not as volatile. It's very fixed, but you get a you get a preferential return on the earnings and profits of the corporation. So you get a fixed of money you know maybe biannually or annually to uh your account maybe get royalties you know there's there's different ways to like um uh finagle your money i guess let me ask you a question like what made you give a fuck about any of this shit like where did it start for you and like where 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 does and where does it continue um it's i feel like it didn't start anywhere i feel like i was on a path that led me here, and in a sense, I don't know. It's weird because I, I have an, I have a bachelor's in, in criminology, right? So I have a I have a passion for like equality of rights. I have a passion for advocacy. Um, I'm a very introverted person, but I would put myself out there for other for other people who meant helping people, right? But at the same time, I realized that that wasn't the avenue of interest, and I don't I don't know why it wasn't because it was familiar to me, especially with the experiences I've had as an individual. I've been arrested before. You know, I, I've, I've experienced the jail system and I know what it is to be profiled. Um, so why am I not passionate for that instead of taxes? Well, it's because I realized that's not what's plagued me my, my entire life. What's plagued me my entire life, what's plagued me my, my parents' entire lives, both of them being through bankruptcy now before the age of 60 with no businesses, is the lack of knowledge, man. The lack, the lack of knowledge in, in financial literacy... Uh, it, it, it's 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 astounding it's astounding how much i don't know it's astounding how much i don't know after a four-year degree after a bachelor's with a i i had a, a double major so i also have an economics degree with an with an economics degree so now i'm getting a financial education in a post-secondary institution as a law student one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in debt but I've never looked at it more positively in my life because I know what to do and I don't feel asphyxiated by the debt. I know there's ways out of it. I know there's government uh, public sector programs that I can amortize that debt to a 10-year and then forgiveness of a of an, a usually undischargeable debt because student loan is not dischargeable, not even in bankruptcy. Yeah. Neither is tax yeah. law and neither is alimony or child support. But it's the most important thing in our, in our world, at least in a Western society. Yes. It's marketed as like it's yes. either do or die, but... If you get fucked in situations like you said, it's like the one debt that you can't fucking get off your back. Yep. That that's the debt that will follow you beyond 
death, like you said, also tax debt and alimony. It, it's 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 astounding too because there's so much depth to it, and people don't know anything. My mom uses her credit card obliviously or her debit card obliviously, not knowing the differences between the two. Because what is the difference between a credit card and a debit card? There is a huge difference federally, by the way. Yeah. In far as how much you're you're liable to, as far as how much you're responsible for, if uh, if there are any unauthorized charges. So I told my mom, buy everything on your credit card and then pay it later with your debit card if you have to. Yep. Because the federal limitations by the EFTA and federal regulations are $50. So if you're Kevin Hart, right, and you have a personal assistant who has authority to use your credit card or your uh debit card and that personal assistant has spent over three hundred thousand dollars in the span of a year that you didn't notice because you know you're a millionaire yeah, very well off. yeah you're very well off and you have to have a personal assistant to buy you shoes so you don't realize that this person is spending three hundred thousand dollars of your money that's not going to you and then later the the court system is telling you that no man you're a fool you should have noticed you trusted this man with your finances you know what you're getting yourself into and you're all liable for it and you're liable for it so even even the rich make mistakes with payment systems, and people don't have a clue what's going on sometimes, you know? So it, having that knowledge is extremely powerful. There's actually a book. Um, it's... Rich Dad, Poor Dad? No, no, it's not Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It, it's not um, nickel and dime either. I, have to, I, I can't remember. It's a... Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill? No, it's Scratch something, Scratch Beginnings or something. Oh, yeah, Scratch Beginnings. There we go. Scratch Beginnings. It's an individual who wanted to do his own personal experiment. He traveled to a different state, a random state he picked out of a hat, supposedly, right? He wanted to go to that state with nothing more than the clothes on his back, a couple of dollars, and see if he could make it. He was homeless. He realized how people in the homeless programs, in the homeless shelters, the homeless people that stay there for long periods of time and they're without any shelter, there's no way of socially, uh, socioeconomically integrating them at all because they don't have... They, they can't fit into society. Yeah. They don't take advantage of their own resources being offered in their own shelter. He noticed that because he was the only one, the man, who was actually homeless, but was playing off being homeless. And he trying was educated. To, yeah, yeah. He knew what he had to do to get there. He would take the bus. He would eat Vienna sausages and eggs, the cheapest meals you can get, but they give you, you know, like bread, milk, whatever you can get that saves you money and makes A to point B. He, he haggled for his car. By the end of the year, when he started with $5, no job, in a different state, trying to function off none of his education, he, would, he wouldn't put his education on a resume, he wouldn't put anything on a resume. He made it at the end of the year with a truck, an apartment, a couple of thousand dollars in, in his bank account. At the end of the year, with $5, with $5 to begin with, with no resume, with no experience, beginning at a homeless shelter, that's inspirational. That's inspirational with knowledge alone. With no resume, with knowledge alone could do for an individual. And then we're and we're also living in a land of luxury, by the way. Those low income people who can maintain low income wages and, and low income spaces, we're still living better off than a lot of people. Of course. Yes. I think that's where people I get I guess get a little confused with um the United States and um they don't understand we have a lot of like socialist policies in, in place to take care of people that actually need those things to be taken care of. Like food stamps, for example, like those things are offered to people that have low income wages that actually need the help with food. Like they offer that. That's a government program. That is government assistance. That is socialism. We also offer housing at a, at a different rate, at a much lower rate. 
Yeah, Section 8. Section 8. We offer literally community services that get you trying to get yourself acclimated into the work field if you have unemployment, which is another socialist policy that gives you money for not having a job. These are all things that are necessary in a society to operate, obviously, because you have things that happen like a pandemic, for example, that is something unprecedented for that without some socialist policies, we would absolutely crumble under our real economic policy, which is capitalism. Um, but it's it's very interesting to see. You know, Hulu actually has a show on that. They have millionaires that go to a different city, different um, place that they can't say who they are. They can't um, like put anything on a resume either. And they have to make it somehow. And it's an interesting experience, you know, seeing like how these millionaires make it. And I, I think for the most part is like, the, the part that's interesting to me about financial freedom and like what exactly you could do to, to put yourself better off is so like far out reach for people because we're usually raised by like our parents yep. that have limited financial resource already as it is. Shit, that's me or was me. Yeah, was me as well. Or we'll go to school, which we expect to get an education on these fundamental things that are necessary to live in life. And school doesn't teach you about finances. That we learn shit in our public school system about how to be financial literate. The differences between a credit card and a debit card. Paying taxes. Every fucking person that is alive has to do what? Die and pay taxes. Those are the only two things that you need to do if you are a living member of society. Like legitimately. That is insane to me. And you don't learn that in like an educational system unless you go out and get these things. The debit card and credit card thing, is, I think, is absolutely true, by the way. If you are someone that does not understand how to use a credit card and you're mindlessly swiping, you're fucking yourself. If you're someone that knows exactly what a credit card is, you are playing to the advantage of not being financially liable for anything that is not under your own due diligence. Like, if you want to actually use a card to, to, like, make a transaction, boom, you're good. The day of tomorrow, someone goes, takes your credit card, swipes, I'm calling Amex, I'm calling Discover. Hey, I don't know what the fuck that was about. Yeah. And they're instantly already getting me my money back. It's also it's also being very aware of your resources and the, and the things you can do with just a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen. Because a, a good a, a very very favored movie of mine is Pursuit of Happiness. Mm. In one scene in particular, uh, you see Will Smith walking up to his friend in his one of his darkest moments in his desperation for need he needs these $14 from his friend these $14 aren't going to get him somewhere to live these $14 aren't going to get him a new set of clothes a car a job it's what he needs to live in that se- in that moment in that second of his of his dark time to feed his son to go somewhere and heal uh and take care of what he has to do because he, he doesn't have a job he's struggling for example if if you were ever in such dire need for money, maybe instead of giving your friend $14, write a promissory note. You can write a promissory note on your shirt, and Article 3 of the of the UCC will make sure that's legally enforceable against somebody. You have to know how to use your money. If, if you're, You have to value your money as it is a part of you because it's something that somebody paid you because of who you are. So if you have $14 and you lend it to somebody, for example, write them a promissory note. You know, this is this may be a little extreme for $14, but hey, man, this is the guy really needed that money at the time and he couldn't. So let's say you write him a promissory note of $14 with a bearing interest of like 3 or 
Well, that person, uh, that person owes you money. If anything, that promissory note, if you really do need money and not from that person, you can sell the promissory note to somebody else so they can enforce the promissory note against that person who owes them money, right? Wow. And you can collect the wow. money instantly. Yes. Is that way? Is that how um checks? Hold on, Ray. And by the way, that's a little heartless. Like you're gonna go with fuck Will Smith. This guy needs fourteen bucks. Just give him the fourteen. No, I'm tr- I'm trying to help Will. Smith, <laughs> oh, yeah, you know you're what trying I'm saying? To help him at an interest rate. You sound like a goddamn school system. That's essentially a collections company, um, though. No, right? Yeah. Like essentially what you're what you're describing. Yep. There's a whole industry on that. There's a whole okay. industry on debt, bonds, yes. and promissory notes. Yep. Shit. There's wow. a whole industry. That makes a lot of fucking sense. Because I was about to ask, like, there's a lot of industries out there that are doing a lot of fucking collecting. And repossessing and shit like that. And yeah. how that happen? And go ahead, go ahead. And don't don't get it twisted, because a lot of our financial loan educators uh, or the or the corporations handling that 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 debt, the financial loans, are private corporations, and they advocate for uh, forbearance. So what that does is that when, once you're out of your period, you know that you don't have to pay. You're studying. It recapitalizes capitalizes your interest payment so what that means is it goes back into your principal and then you're getting interest payments on your interest Shit. which is pretty fucking interesting wow that's Shit. crazy and that's so fucked yeah. that that one that financial institutions can do that type of shit but you see this is the type of shit that you do not know like if you are just listening to this podcast and you're just like going about everyday life shit, i don't even fucking know i yeah like yeah. a lot of this info is new to me and i and i think at least to some certain degree i understand finances a lot more i i also understand how important it is to have good credit in the united states like that is another thing people don't understand at all like having good credit is better than having money in your bank account almost to a certain degree because it at least shows companies shows like entities that they could trust you with something. That they could trust saying, hey, have this. We, we know you're good for it. They do the same thing for your house. They do the same thing for your car. They do the same thing. You could you could finance almost anything in the United States. And that's, like, great. But that could also be something that hinders you. My question is, I guess, why do you feel like financial literacy is something so hard to come across? And why is financial like literacy so important for people to invest in or, or divulge a little bit of attention to? Well, I mean, financial literacy is important because since we're in a, in a, in a, in a country of capitalist governance, um, money, money rules the day. So basically, yep. um, you need to know, you need to know where your money's going and you need to, you need to make sure you're not throwing your money away because every dollar counts. And if I love arithmetic, man. Because if you, if you just if you just go back and add just go back and add and by the way inflation is two percent every year so if you have a dollar yesterday uh, next year it's gonna be worth two percent more a dollar and two cents so like putting your money away and knowing what you have to do with your money is extremely important because it gives you power it gives you the power um, to control what you need to do with your life without being impaired by what other people have it's like starting a race right it's like starting a race with two lead shoes. And it's pretty hard to run a race with two lead shoes uh, when everybody else has super light Nikes on, you know? So everybody should have a level playing field, I feel. And a lot of people who come from another country, right, who don't have this knowledge in their own country, who don't even have banks in their own country, right, come here where you have to have security in your, in your assets and finances. You have to know what you're doing with your money. And they don't, and they lose their their assets and their money and their children's futures and they pass on their activism and what i mean by activism is their misconception 
because they enforce the fact that you have to get an education, Yep. right? Which yeah. is very true, by the way. You have to get an education because the baseline is now becoming a four-year bachelor's degree or even like a regular McDonald's job. So it, it's it's at 60% of the employment rate of people in those low-wage earning income industries are with a bachelor's degree, unfortunately. And it, that's the baseline, you know? So that's insane. Yeah. And, th- and those degrees are tied to debt, which is constantly increasing and it yeah. will continue to increase as, as long as the disparities between out of state and in state tuition continue to dissipate because uh, uh, they're starting to get rid of that. So out of state tuition is starting to get out the door. But the consequence now is that in state tuition is going up because yep. these are industries, you know, these are some, most of these are private educational institutions that want to make a profit. Even if they're not making a profit as a four oh as a five oh three C corporation, uh, you know, a charitable organization, then they're still making some money. Trust me. Their employees are then their and their directors are making money, a lot of money. And not um, one single player in the NCAA is getting paid any of that. Yeah, also in sports. Yeah, sports it's insane because sports is always something that's wild to me in that regard. Like, yo, I wonder how much schools make off of that shit, which is a fucking unprecedented amount. Yeah. How much the students never see any of that shit. And then I wonder how many tax breaks they're getting off of shit like that. Yep. Because you know they're getting some. Yeah. LeBron was definitely smart in his move by going from 18 straight to the NBA. That yeah. man was a genius by making... And it's, it's hard to have that kind of insight as, a, as an athlete because you could have, like, the dream of going to college, you know, procrastinating a bit, enjoying your life yeah. instead of going to, like, a hard... Like, instead of jumping into the real world immediately because he could have been screwed. He could have signed a bad contract. Yep. He could have... He could have lost millions he and millions of dollars. College, he could have had an injury. He could have taken the wrong deal, the wrong team, the wrong people supporting you. You know, yeah. uh, but everything worked out for the, for him. You know, and, and and I feel like it's a story that should be shared by many, and not maybe maybe the, not to the magnitude of one of the greatest NBA players of all time. Yeah, but to a sense of self fulfillment where each individual has a right to their own dignity. Yeah. You know? Let me ask you something, because. It's very safe to like label me as a skeptic if you do that. Like you like you're it's pretty sure money. Like I'm 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 there, right? I don't disagree that maybe school systems and like educational systems really started out in a place to like help us and like help society, but I can't shake the feeling of feeling that like too many nefarious acts are in play because I hate the fact, like, and we already touched on the fact that, you know, um, you go to school and that depth is not, like, you can't get it. There's really no way of getting it off your back besides fucking paying the money back, right? But it's a debt that I can, from the comfort of my phone, log into, like, my student portal and accept, like, a fucking, a grant, or not even, not a grant, but a, so like, a subsidized it. loan for, like, $30,000, no problem. And all I need is, like, the price of, like, electricity and Wi-Fi already in my home. Like, it, that doesn't feel like a little, like, and the fact that they're letting like young kids like they, they put that power in the hands of like young kids you don't have to go into a bank no one has to see your face you don't have to like have a parent come in and like it's just it's so easy to enable to us hands. to get into thousands of dollars into debt and yeah. what if you and what if you fucking like change your mind you know what i mean what if you have like that oops i made a mistake maybe i didn't want to commit to doing this shit for two years now i want to be a, a fucking I don't fucking know a fucking lawyer instead of like a, a doctor. Now you have now it's a whole different path. You got to take different classes. You incur new debt. Like it doesn't feel like a little nefarious, like a little tricky. Like like they're almost trying to like 
yeah. we erect this in a sense? Well, yeah. you could change your mind, but you better be good for the 40K. We let yeah, you exactly. 6% interest rate. That's, yep. that's an interesting uh, notion you bring up because now with the new presidential administration, we're trying to, you know, try to wipe some of that debt away. Mm-hmm. So because of this understanding that now we're having um, this baseline rise to this uh, four-year degree, right? So why make people pay for something that they should have anyway, right? So that we're moving towards a good direction in that sense. And the policy that's been enforced for the majority of like the laws that I've seen, socioeconomic integration, if you're familiar, the socioeconomic integration is where you're encouraging people to integrate to housing, integrate to the workspace, integrate to the society in general by incentivizing education. So that's we do that with the undocumented in particular because they're, they don't have a right to be here, but yet we give them a right to education. And by... by no right to be here, I mean in the very literalist of the sense, because they do, if they're an asylee or a, or a refugee because of multilateral and international treaties, of course, that, we, that the U.S. is a part of. Um, and a lot of people are very confused. Immigration is a whole other issue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to get into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, we're, we're socially and social economic integration is basically the, the path that, um, that we're pushing towards. It's the path that the Obama administration was pushing towards. It's okay. the path that a lot of our states are pushing towards now. Um, I believe my thesis addressed it. Only three states now don't allow undocumented immigrants to go into post-secondary uh, with in-state tuition, which you know they'd be paying a lot more. They haven't. They're the first um, roots of their of their generation here, so they obviously yeah. don't have a lot to pay. Yeah. So they're they're basically being hit by a paywall. They can't jump over. Um, and worse, worse. Switching by that, the only other states that, that haven't, one of the main ones is Georgia. Even Georgia is uh, is changing their, their views on that slowly. My only thing with it, I guess my biggest gripe with anything that has to do with people going to school to have an education and then to, to owe money to, to these financial institutions is this, right? Like, is there a, like an underlying risk that if an immigrant does come over, they're in school and they owe... I don't know, like, let's say after a four year education, 30, 40 K and then they leave the country or they do something else. And that money just is, uh, is up in the air now. Cause I mean, you, you are technically liable for it. If you're in the United States, what happens if, if they were to leave, for example, and then my other question or my other, I guess, interesting point is, you know, I feel like education now is so easily accessible in the day and age that we are in that. There's a lot of things that you learn in school that for sure make you a much better worker, a much better employee. It gives you discipline. It gives you almost these like underlying base fundamental things that in society are good to operate in. Yeah. Like you need these things that school teaches you um, to, to operate in, in some way in society. But most of the people that become millionaires, you hear that they're not college educated or very fundamentally college educated at maybe a bachelor yeah. level. And it what really separates, you know, the 76% of people that are self-made in, in the industry of billionaires or in the industry of millionaires or in the industry of just making uh, six-figure incomes is action and having action and understanding just finances and what finances are and how you get money and, and you become something eventually if you have some opportunity to take a risk with, with that finance. Is that something you like are privy to or uh, at least like acknowledge that maybe school isn't for everybody and education is available at, at least in this day and age to everybody well firstly um if like i mentioned earlier the the debt industry is pretty huge. so yeah. if if the, if the company handling your debt your student loan debt wanted to get paid 
and uh, wanted to get rid of the debt that they had on you, even if they went to another country, they could just sell it to a bank where you're at. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That shit will hunt you down no matter yeah, what. Yeah, there's no, there's no escaping it, man. That will chase you forever. If there's Fucking a way to Europe track you down, island, like, no matter what. like gross, gross fraud aside without you like completely changing your, your name or maybe your face <laughs> surgically. <laughs> Like, I'm pretty sure... Yeah, absolutely I'm, fucking fandango in the system. <laughs> yeah, so uh, hope, besides that, I mean, it, it's going to follow you over. And to answer your question, I mean, I think it should be, like, implemented earlier. Um, the economic success program that Obama tried to implement and was, like, not really taken too much uh, because it's it's up to the states. Like, the, the feds can propose something, but then it's up to the states for education in particular. That's yeah. where the, the very big issue of federalism comes in. Uh, but I think it should be implemented earlier, like the K through 12 programs, like, like the Obama administration wanted to do with the uh, academic success, and focusing on STEM work uh, or STEM jobs, which like you know like um, technology, um, medicine, and yeah. stuff like that. And that's what I mean. Like like if you want to make a good living, like you could do that without going to school technically, right? Like you could do that without going to school technically, as long as you have financial understanding, you have some source of income. And then you're not living with more expenses than assets. I want my doctor to go to school, though. Like that, you know, oh, yeah. I, wa- yeah. I want my doctor, yeah. my surgeon, I want him to be 10 years in the program. Yep. 15 years <laughs> operating. I want him to be 25 years. I want him to be a 76-year-old man. You want, him to, have, you want him to have ganas on his eyelashes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want him to be studied. But I'm saying, you know, maybe the regular Joe Schmo nowadays doesn't need, if they're looking to, to make money, they don't need schooling as a fundamental like thing anymore. Especially with the day and age that we live in as far as coding, software developing. Yeah. Uh, this is, these are things that, yo, legitimately, go on YouTube right now and learn how to, yep. how to code Python. YouTube, it's Google. accessible. Here, have it. It's free. My, uh, my father-in-law, he, he doesn't have an education in IT, but he was working in Carnival Cruise Line. They saw how proficient he was with systems. They made him an IT head. And then he started his own little business on the side. He was making Shit. pretty good money. Before he lost his job, he was making pretty good money. And that's a man who, who just, you know, took initiative. So imagine, like, your, your education does define you to a certain degree, like whether you go to Yale or whatever, but that's a network opportunity. You have, yeah. to, you have to look at it as a network opportunity for the most part because I'm not going to say law school is a waste of time. Law school has, has highly educated me and provided me with so many values and how to become a professional myself but um you don't have to go to college to get an education man you can go to a library open a book and learn something honestly today i, I went to a library for my own benefit and i bought a bunch of books with, to learn about caesar to, to read an old book from dickens or something like that yeah. and just because i want to you know just to educate myself to become more of a wordsmith in my own way and and that's the luxury that you can have you can go out and educate yourself you don't have to Go in front of somebody and and learn from their paradigms. You Facts. can you can set your own, yeah. you know. And, and their paradigms might not even be right, you know, because you're most of the time you're learning from older individuals. Sometimes you might have to challenge them. Which is, I think, I think where the fundamental like issue lies in in the United States with finances, in particular, is we're just learning from people that we think are right. We're just learning from people that. We don't know what their experience is like. Well, like Warren Buffett's old ass. You think? Uh, yeah. Hold on. Said, put some fucking respect on the goal. Hey. Well, no, okay, I was about no. to say something, but don't bring up Warren Buffett. Yeah, yeah. But I'll agree with everything you said, but that man's making a fucking. Deal. No, of he, course. Yeah. But what, 
what do you think his opinions are on like the new modern cryptocurrency and the, oh, and the value of the dollar? He, yeah, he yeah. doesn't believe in the digital dollar at of all, but it's not. coming. It's yeah. definitely coming. Trust me. Yeah, you, okay, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, you can't take, and even though you said like he's washed before, like you also got to remember like this is also a man that you can't get upset what he thinks about the digital dollar too much because he's somebody that since the day that Google has IPO'd, he has never invested a dollar into it. Never invested a dollar into Facebook. So he's like, yeah, like you're saying, like you got to challenge the old people because they might be out of fucking touch. Like, yeah. how is it that you're arguably the greatest investor of all time, but you never invested into Google and every year you make the decision to continue to pass on them? Yeah. It's crazy to me. And I think that's where now, and this is something we've talked about on the podcast before, and this is really where I think as a society, as a human race, we're getting to the shoreline of what technology could do for us. Of literal, like being able to now 4 billion people in this world doesn't have to be an iPhone, have a smartphone. 4 billion people are connected to the World Wide Web right now. How wild is it that right now in Cuba, you can have Fulanito who hasn't eaten in five days, but he can FaceTime you? Yeah. yeah. How wild is that? That's pretty insane. And that's why I think cryptocurrency does something. And we're, we're pretty big on cryptocurrency on the podcast, of course. But I think cryptocurrency does something that we've never seen before, which is no middlemanning of any financial institutes yep. for any, borderless. For any transaction, Your borderless, borderless transactions for a real way of exchanging, of exchanging wealth or exchanging assets value in a way that's never been seen before because we all have access to it now. And that's where I think you have to challenge uh, older people's way of thinking because what is the dollar? The dollar is just a social construct that we yeah. have accepted as a way of exchanging, yeah. as a way of exchanging goods, services, anything, education even. Yeah. It is just that. Backed, obviously, by, of course, gold, which is a real resource. Ah, it's not really backed by gold. Not really. anymore. Not, not. not at this point. Not anymore. But originally backed by gold, that is... Something that the only reason why gold is something that we look at as human and is like, oh, this is good. This is worth something yeah. because it lasts a long time is because it doesn't get mined at a rate that you see it so widely available. Yeah, it's, there's some scarcity to it. There's scarcity to it. But that's really what, what gold is. What's the difference between that and inventing something like a cryptocurrency, yeah. which uses energy, which is something that is consumed, literally consumed. Yeah. Into something that now is a way of measuring wealth. It's if if uh, and I think Warren Buffett's gonna miss out big time because he's not gonna invest in any cryptocurrencies. But he's gonna miss out big time in in us taking sail on that boat into now seeing what technology can open gateways for us to do. The other fucking day, man. Like, look at this shit. This is something completely off topic. But look at look at how advanced we are. They created this technology company. Created a thumb. A thumb that it uses real algorithms to use the motions of your hand for you to be able to be trained and use the thumb. We are getting to a point that if something happens to you, which is very true, like something happens to you in a car accident, you lose a leg, you lose a finger. Yeah. Like now you're no longer a oh, 200 years ago. You're fucked. Look, a horse. No, seriously, a horse. You fall off a horse and you lose your fucking arm. Oh, you scrape your foot. You're dead. We lay down. He's like, damn. Yeah. I guess I'm done. You know what I mean? Two hundred years ago, you're on the horseback and 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 Billy the Goat decides, hey, fuck. He kicked me off and now my elbow's fucked. Yep. The Oregon Trail, baby. 
we might have to cook uh, Billy Joe Ray over here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like now it's not like that anymore. And and that's where technology is putting us. All the road. And that's where technology is putting us. Are you a believer in cryptocurrency? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I know it exists. I, I'm aware of it. It's, it, it, it's, it's very volatile, like a stock. Yeah. But it's, it's also liquid, like cash. So it's very interesting, but it's highly unregulated. Yeah. Um, I think there's an aspect to it that a lot of people don't know about, but it, it has some involvement with terrorism because it's so privatized and on the blockchain. You know, it's a good way for uh, for terrorist organizations to fund their own fund their operations. So there's some anti-terrorist yeah. regulation regarding cryptocurrency, but right now the IRS is just treating it like like stock. I think yeah. so. Um, it's it's very interesting, man, especially with what people have been doing now with um with the fungible assets and yeah, um, yeah it's it's really like i've i've, I've actually done my own like because it's so new and there's like so few experts on it i've done a few aba accredited research um uh what's it called like they do like a like a workshop where yeah. they talk about it and they talk about what's going on like the changes and what what's happened before like stuff like that for cryptocurrency there's a lot the history the understanding yeah there's a lot especially heading yeah so it, it's really interesting and if i don't know if i if i would be an investor per se now because of uh because of like the so, so many other well-endowed systems of how to like you know increase your wealth but uh it's definitely something that you can make a lot of money in in general because like again like it's it's a stock it increases value it appreciates it's authorized because it has a blockchain yeah and um and what you call it it's uh it's it's fractional yeah i think you can buy like fractional shares yeah you could buy crypto as well you could buy right now you don't have to buy a whole bitcoin but a whole bitcoin is valued somewhere in the thirty-seven thousand dollars at the recording of this podcast um because of market corrections but you don't have to buy an entire bitcoin it's it's very treated like on that blockchain it's so intelligent that it takes something to make a bitcoin it's it's called um satoshis it takes that from the blockchain to make an actual bitcoin so you could buy down to the fractional margins which you could do with a dollar technically but up to pennies and who the pennies, fuck wants pennies yeah like after and and pennies t- cost more to make than they're even worth so it, it, it's interesting because that system of wealth it's very new. It's it's something that we don't know if it'll overtake the dollar ever. A lot of people are skeptical that it, it never will because you still need a dollar's backing in some way for society to function. But I'd, I'm skeptical as to what would happen in 100 years, you know? Yeah, that's actually good. The way that you put it, it, it seems like cryptocurrency could eventually make value more efficient over time. Yeah. Since, since you can fractionalize it more than a penny. That's interesting the way the, the economic argument yeah. presents. And it's also crazy because it's fractional and it's also fractal. So, like, everyone can participate yeah. in, like, these monetary systems. Like, anybody can participate in your Bitcoin, your SafeMoon, like, whatever the fuck it is. It's that's, borderless, you know? That's true. There are certain stocks that have, like, uh, restrictions or, like, golden handcuffs or something like that. For yeah, absolutely. Like that. There's stocks that you could buy on E-Trade that you can't buy on Amazon or you can't buy on Robinhood. Just the nature of the, the stocks and the way they're, 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 they're made. Also, you know, the interesting thing is... Like take Bitcoin, for example, right? Transactions are sending or whatever are 10 seconds um, between. But, you know, the interesting part is, is that unlike the dollar, you can't just print out more Bitcoin. Like more Bitcoin can exist in the market. The creator of Bitcoin already set a limit and it's halved every year of how much you can put back into the market. Like how much is produced. Exactly. So how much you can mine. 
the part that's interesting about like Bitcoin is is that people oftentimes don't understand the way like the blockchain works, and they're like, oh, but someone will eventually hack into it and and create more Bitcoin. You need a hundred percent ownership of that to do it, and it is impossible to have a hundred a hundred percent ownership over that blockchain already. Yeah, because of how just decentralized it is. Like, you it's can't cra- do it. It's crazy. You you as someone that that you really like fuck with finances and everything. You should uh, take a moment and read uh. Uh, the white paper on Bitcoin from Satoshi Nakamoto, like the the creator, the, the creator of it, because um, you can tell once you read it, it's someone that really understood like finances in and out. Besides being able to code like a fucking monster, um, it's really somebody or a group of people that really understood finance really, really well because they applied a lot of like just sound money assets, like shit, like you're saying that you know it's something that it, it can't be inflated. It's something that. You know, it's it's scarce. It's it's fungible. You know yeah. what I mean? Like my one Bitcoin or your one Bitcoin. If we fucking trade, it's the same thing, just like a dollar. You know, like if we all had a dollar on the table, we wouldn't care which dollar is yours or mine because it's a fucking dollar. You know what I mean? It's it's fungible. So like you, that you really like that you're so deep into this finance uh, finance shit and just really kind of like the ins and outs. You should read that white paper because it's it's interesting. So I think that's like the nature of cryptos and the nature of financial like. I guess our obligation to ourselves now, because if you're an immigrant migrating into the United States, right? And there's a lot of immigrants in the United States. The first and most important asset that you could have is knowledge. I think that is inescapably the one thing that if you want a better life, like you need to invest in. I think school systems are important because they give you knowledge and that puts you in, and and you could prove it with a degree. Like, hey, I, I went to this school. I have this degree that says this. And that makes you someone that can now have a better life because of that knowledge. And that is why I think the school system is needed in some way. But it is no longer necessary to the regard of, like, this is the only system to making money that exists anymore. School system's got to change a little bit, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I know a lot of people who graduated with bachelor's degrees off Quizlet, essentially. Yep. So, yeah. uh, about it. in a sense, it doesn't really... So what I, the fuck did you learn? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, you didn't really learn much. I was one of those morons, one of the few morons who at first began to, uh, to read the books and try to, like, you know, take the quizzes and get the 70% and 80% at first. Because I didn't generally understand. I didn't memorize the answer banks like other people were and getting A's. And then I was realized, I realized my own mistake. I'm impairing myself, my competition here, for grades because I'm not using this answer bank format and memorizing and memorizing is not learning yep so you're taking all these classes and you're not really learning anything so it it, it has to things have to change uh things things definitely have to change can you point to a better education system that exists uh well i mean it's hard to say because it all it also depends on the on the staff on the professionals that that teach it depends on the students depends on the culture so we we have to change the culture and we have to we have to change the fact that it's it's a it's, it's like a paid oasis pay to win system in a game almost like yeah you go in you pay for college like you go to yale or whatever you pass yale and you have that on your resume and it's like you're above a certain a certain hierarchy of people because of that and you're paying for for, for the network opportunity yeah. and the status and to go to a frat or do that you're not paying for the education itself which is which is weird because it's kind of like you're selling me kind of snake oil here, you know, like, yep. but it, at the same time, 
it's enlightened me to try to discover who I am, and it's led me down a path, although incurring a lot of debt, uh, to to where I think I should be in life. So I think it's important. Um, it's important, but it should be like restructured. Maybe K through twelve is not is not what it should be. Maybe it's K through you know the four years of college. Yeah. You know? And that that would I I think that would help. You know the the part that I love the most is the part that you said that uh, I was in the, like, I, I wanted to be in the criminal field, criminal justice field, yeah. um, because of your experience, you know, uh, with things that happened to you. And then you realize, oh, shit, the best way I could help people is putting money in their pocket. Like, that shit I fuck with so heavy, because that's really the fundamental way you help people. Absolutely. Like, help people help themselves. Yeah. Help people help themselves. And that's why I feel like people have capitalism all wrong. People have the equal outcome shit all wrong. It's not about equal outcome. Take risks with what you get and learn. It doesn't mean that every time you will fail. But sometimes when you hit, you're going to hit. Yep. Like if you take $1,000 and you put it into the Roth IRA and you fucking forgot about it. In 10 years, it's worth $70,000. It's because you took a risk with $1,000 of your asset, of your money. And that's the whole thing that I want you to like, I guess, break down for people because you did it very uh, eloquently which is what is equal opportunity in capitalism what is equal outcome how are they different and why are they important i actually love that question because um starting with let's start with social contract theory with uh, thomas hobbs thomas hobbs and james bryce in particular one of very very old uh political um i guess sociologists whatever but he proposes this theory of social contract, which is, you know, we give up freedoms for order, right? Yeah. So that sets up laws, which forms a commonwealth. And what James Bryce calls a commonwealth is, is essentially in a constitution, which is the backbone of our order, which is our social contract manifested in hate, basically. So now we have two, like, I guess, sliding, two ends of the sliding scale. We have, we have, let me let me let me put it better. We have two like different levels. We have capitalist governance, right? Yeah. And then we have socialist governance. Socialist governance can be a sliding scale on its own. It doesn't have to be tyrannical. It doesn't have to be a communism, right? It it could be a utopian socialism. Yeah. Like like uh, like in Auroville. There's this place in uh, India called Auroville where it's essentially the best form of communism on paper taken to life. Um they, it's, it's a white community, uh, but they, they primarily exchange, you know, communal services for the communal good, which is, uh, like, you know, the teacher will help the kids out and the parents will come and give some bread or some, some wood or something. It's like the ultimate socialism, but it works so well because it functions almost like federalism to the sense that it's only that portion of the country. Yeah. You know, it's only that be small. Yeah. It's, it's. They, they decided themselves that that's what they wanted and that's and they were allowed to do it, so they did it. And then the rest of the country operates completely differently. Um, so that's Oroville. That's the utopian side. And we can have the other extreme, which is Korea. Yep. Uh, Fucking Korea thinks they still won the soccer World Cup in 2014. 2014, they're still fucking celebrating that shit. Yeah, like Korea, and then we have Cuba, and we have like a lot of tragedy in China. Yeah. Um, and these are all different models. They're all like different models, not necessarily socialism, because a lot of things overlap. And we have capitalism, which puts an emphasis on innovation. It doesn't put the individual subjectivism into play.
play. It's if you can make something better, the economy will reward you. Yep. If you give to if you give to society in a in value in some sort of value, then you will be rewarded. And to some degree, like we had so we have so much freedom in the in the U.S. or in in the current modern um, economic climate that you can literally record yourself blowing bubbles and you can make money out of it. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it, you can, if your passion is to literally lay under a rock, like Patrick Starr from SpongeBob, you can make money out of it. Yep. It, it's, it's amazing what you could do with capitalism. Like, you know, who really hit a bag? Do you guys remember Fred from YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. How can Are you, you forget? fucking kidding me? How can you forget? Yeah. And I don't know if you've seen it recently. The Chupapi Muñeño guy. Oh. oh my fucking god, dude! Every time I see one of those videos, I'm just like, "What the fuck am I doing? I'm gonna start doing whatever the fuck." Because it, it it's so true that in this climate that we're in, it's just like, just do something other than complain about where you're at. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Almost like it's it's literally just you have so many tools, so many resources, free coding. You can make a fucking app, and you're eating off of the rest of your life off that application, off of incentives on it. Offer royalties. It's it's insane, like how far you could go with little things, and and you don't have to be someone super well known to do these things. There's people that I know that just manage Instagrams, yeah, just manage social media accounts because they have built a creative way to do it that is marketable, that make eighty to ninety k a year, and they're 22, 23 years old. And this is now the climate that we're in. What one thing I should definitely say in, in, in general and in particular to this conversation is that you should never you should never put debt and I put debt in quotation marks on your future self. Yeah. You should never put debt on your future self if you can avoid it in your present self. So if you can take care of something and I mean this in the most philosophical way, you don't have to take it as literally as possible, but if you take care of something now, you do it now. You don't do you don't do it later. You, you do it now, do it now. Uh, in particular to to money. There's something called the time value of money, and it's it's like picture a graph. As time goes on, money's value goes up. So a dollar tomorrow is worth more than today, as I've already explained with inflation. And if you can save that dollar today so it's worth more tomorrow, you should definitely There's cam girls on Twitch now. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Oh, yeah. The just chatting girls? The just chatting girls. They are literally trying out bikinis and i only yeah. found out about this shit because i had someone complain about it on a twitch stream that i was watching and i literally went into that that stream and in the moment i opened the stream to see what the fuck it was that people are like complaining about yeah she got donated five thousand dollars sometimes we live in you just gotta be comfortable with it man that's that's just what we get now out of the world and i think it's the perfect way to wrap up this podcast it's the times that we're living in if you guys haven't understood taxes before, if you guys haven't understood shit finances in general before, I think this is the episode for you. And I wanted to thank Ray for coming out here. Yeah, for, it's a pleasure. For giving Absolutely. us so much yeah. fucking knowledge. And uh, just this is Eddie closing out. Yeah, no, I just want to say thank you fucking so much for being on the show. I know you said earlier, like in the conversation, like, oh, immigration is like a whole nother thing and like a whole nother subject. So hopefully you're down to come back and we can like touch on that shit. And, you know, because you're fucking your knowledge is so vast. And like I, I learned a lot here. I know anyone listening to this shit also learned a lot. Um, one thing I just want to like ask and leave everyone off on. Do you watch like any like um, 
like do you consume like movies or like uh tv shows um uh, i i do i lately have been watching a lot of comedies yeah uh, a lot of ted talks too, weirdly enough okay uh, because of a lot of like things that i find personal personally like you know relating to my personal experiences in life and stuff like that but uh lately i've been making an effort more conscious effort to read and 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 think of books as instead of like pieces of paper or material as as a manifestation of the author of a as a friend of mine yeah. per se and if i ever want to speak to that friend or hear stories from that friend i just open the book okay well that's perfect that that you bring that up because the second part of my question was going to be like just i guess leave everyone with like a book or two that you would recommend that you feel like has that or like some of your best friends absolutely um for this topic um one very interesting book is called the secret gift it's about a young man who went back to a trail of letters of his grandfather who uh went through the great depression and how he gave back to a community back then when nobody had anything you hear the hardships you hear how people would reuse tire uh, uh the tires the rubber on the tires of the wheels or whatever under their shoes so their shoes would last longer it's it's really interesting what people can do in feats of desperation and still be grateful for what they have. Um, that is a great fucking book. The, another book. Um, it depends if you want to like relate to like struggle and taking a survival job and you know still prospering to like the, the upper hierarchies of, of wealth. It, I would recommend um, either Scratch Beginnings or Nickel and Dime. Nickel and Dime is about a, a waitress. Uh, she took a survival job, you know, waiting. Uh, while she got her things together, and she's a successful author now. Uh, very, very, very good book for wealth management. It goes through all of the steps you need to do from becoming nobody to becoming somebody. Um, or, uh, like I, I think I mentioned before, Scratch Scratch Beginnings, yes, was the man who traveled uh, to another country from a pick of the hat, and uh, he basically was homeless, and in a year, he uh, prospered. Well... They say that you're an average of the five people you hang out with. Everyone listening to this, and me and Eddie included, we just got to hang out with Ray. So thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. That was fucking awesome.